The excessively loud alarm clock began blaring the wake-up anthem that had been selected to rouse the couple nested in their bed. Peter rolled over and fumbled around in the darkness of their bedroom, desperately trying to keep his eyes closed, so that he could turn off the alarm and sleep a little longer. Having successfully located his mobile phone on the bedside table, Peter turned back and began letting his thoughts guide him back to the incredible slumber he had so cruelly been ripped from. His thoughts were once again jolted back to reality, shattering his hopes of picking up his dream where he had left them. As Jane had already rolled out of bed, it was calling his name and telling him to get up and out of bed. The mattress creaked ever so slightly as Peter dragged his legs off the bed and sat up, rubbing the sleep from his eyes. We have to get going, babe, Jane said to Peter. It's a very long ride. We need to miss the traffic if we want to be there in time for dinner. Yes, honey, I know. Peter replied with an almost silky yet croaky voice, a byproduct nonetheless of his premature awakening on a Saturday. With blackout curtains, not a single shimmer of light penetrated its way into the room. With the curtains closed, it was almost impossible to discern if it was morning or night. Checking the time on his phone as he shuffled towards the bathroom, Peter felt immensely frustrated as 4.30 did not seem like an opportune time for anyone to be out and about. After relieving himself, Peter began brushing his teeth. As he did so, he carried a toothbrush for Jane so she could join him in their morning routine. Teeth brushed and freshened up. The couple began getting dressed. Before they had their winter boots on, Peter's phone started buzzing, notifying him that David was trying to reach him. Picking up the phone and expecting David to give an excuse. Peter was pleasantly surprised that not only was David awake and ready to go, but he was also parked in the driveway waiting for them. Slinging their duffel bags packed with clothes and toiletries onto his back, Peter bounded out of the room and down the stairs to make his way to the front door. Jane followed closely behind, conducting a mental checklist to ensure nothing was left behind. Door locked and ready to go, Jane and Peter bundled into David's truck, greeting him with jubilant smiles. They had to use David's truck as their sedans were not ideal for driving in the snow, and getting stuck posed a threat as they would be making their way. So you're sure your family won't mind me tagging along? David asked Jane, looking back at her in the rearview mirror. Not at all, Jane assured him. You're like a brother to Peter, so they know you're virtually family. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I'm not imposing. David responded. Christmas time is for family. That means friends that became family are included too, Jane said, feeling philosophical. She added to this by telling David and Peter, Blood of the covenant is thicker than water of the womb. That is indeed true. I mean, David and I have known each other since we were like five, Peter said with a laugh. This led him to feel nostalgic as his mind then drifted to all the adventures they would go on, from five up until now at the age of thirty. Remember that time? David began, clearly also having had flashbacks of pleasant memories shared with Peter. It was a long car ride, but with an abundance of stories. Lovely warm air coming from the car's air conditioner and snacks. The time would undoubtedly fly by and they would just as soon be at Jane's family's house for Christmas. The drive in the snow through the mountains was so picturesque, one would have thought the backdrop surrounding them was taken straight from a Christmas movie. 
The snow tires fitted on David's car crunched the snow as he moved steadily along. It was such a serene setting that on one or more occasion, Jane felt herself drifting between a very light sleep and consciousness. David and Peter chatted, barely taking a break to breathe. The best friends could speak for hours on the phone and still have enough conversation left to last them a good while. The familiar voices of the men in the front combined with the much-needed warm air made Jane feel that much more comfortable. She reveled the moment and felt even more elated at the thought of being with her family very soon. Jane snapped back to consciousness as she heard her name being called. Stifling a yawn, she asked what the matter was. She was soon drifting back to sleep as the only reason she was woken up was to confirm that David had taken the correct turn on the road. They were now roughly 15 minutes away from their destination. The trees surrounded them, covered completely in snow. It gave the illusion that the branches had snow growing on them. The abundance of trees added to the warmth of their journey, as it felt as though the trees were embracing them to ensure they were warm. Jane was once again ripped from her peaceful slumber as the loud cries of David and Peter preceded the dull thump of the car, hitting a snowbank after a very sharp turn. Ah, damn foxes! David said with anger as he exited the vehicle. Jane sat in the back, shocked and confused as to what was happening. Uh, a fox dashed out from the trees, Peter explained. David swerved to miss it and we slid on the ice. Just as soon as he had finished getting Jane up to speed with what was going on, David called out for him to lend a hand. Peter reassured Jane that all was well and they would soon be back on the road and with her family. With the bonnet of the car open, Jane could no longer see the figures of them as they tended to the damaged radiator and fender. She sat back, looked down at her phone for the first time they had begun their long drive. The network and signal were spotty. Reception was bad. It was good enough that she could open Instagram, so she wasn't too concerned with how long the repairs would take. She also had a few ebooks downloaded, so entertainment would not be an issue. Instagram soon grew boring, and Jane decided to take pictures of the breathtaking view that had been bestowed on them. The snapshots of the trees adorned with snow and so densely packed together made for a picture worthy of the front page of National Geographic. After a few pictures, Jane opened the camera to look through them to decide which picture to post. She noticed a black blur that she couldn't see now in the last picture she had taken. Could have been a fox. But from the size of the blur in comparison to the trees, it was much too big to be a fox. Paying no mind to it, the picture was soon posted. And Jane was extremely confident that the picture would produce a number of likes to rival the modern-day influencers. She returned once more to her picture gallery to look at the blur that had confused her just moments before. Not gaining any clarity, Jane took the opportunity to stretch her legs and walk across the road to take a look to see if there was any wildlife she could see. As evidenced by her recent upload to social media, Jane loved the outdoors and wildlife. Seeing a deer or small cretin would undoubtedly be a silver lining in this situation. Jumping out of the car, she could hear Peter and David muttering curse words and at their wit's end trying to fix the car issues. Come on, come on. 
They hardly seemed to notice her as her boots crunched noisily into the tranquility of the woods. Reaching the edge of the forest, Jane realized she had underestimated how dense the trees were. The woods seemed virtually pitch black as nothing more than a tiny sliver was let through to illuminate the inhabitants of the forest. With one of the greatest advancements in human history held firm in her hands, Jane opened the flashlight app to provide her with help to see. The darkness was hardly impacted by the pitiful beam of light produced from her mobile phone. Deciding that she would not see anyone, Jane turned around to leave. Once her back was turned, Jane froze as she heard the distinct sound of a branch snapping and what sounded like padded feet running through the snow. Expecting a deer or fox, Jane turned to the abyss and shone her flashlight once more, excited at the prospect of seeing something. Surprisingly, there now seemed to be a bit more light coming through the trees, allowing Jane a much better view of the parts of the forest. As she stood facing the woods, the blur she had taken a picture of developed once again in her peripheral vision. She was right that it was too big to be a fox. It was too big to be any creature she had seen. It also ran at a speed she didn't know a beast was capable of. The beast came to a very abrupt stop, which surprised Jane as the animal did not slip, but rather stopped immediately, as if a driver had jammed on the brakes. Jane could not comprehend what she saw in the shadows of the trees. It resembled a wolf. Thick black fur covered the entirety of its body. The fur was a depth of black that Jane did not know existed. It seemed to suck light into it, shrouding it, and those around in an unparalleled darkness. It was a monstrous size, appearing to be nearly the height of Jane, while it was on all fours. Its head was bowed with large ears sat atop. They twitched and moved, scanning the area for the softest of sounds. A deep, low growl sounded from the creature. A fair distance away, Jane could feel the growl in the depths of her soul, frozen in an equal mix of fear and interest. Jane stood and gazed at the mammoth beast in its dark glory. Once more, the growl was heard, as the creature hunched over more, before beginning to move towards Jane. As it progressed, ever so slowly, the shape of the creature began to change. Its posture became distorted, as Jane noticed the animal was changing from walking on all fours to walking, as man does. As large as the creature was on all fours, the size it possessed when standing erect was monstrous. The head of the beast seemed to be so high up that it was in danger of breaching the top of the tree line. The tiny slivers of light creeping into the thicket of trees illuminated the creature's eyes. Accompanying the impenetrable darkness of its fur were the most ferocious red eyes. Looking like the devil had lit a fire behind them to make them shine. Jane could see a primal drive to kill as they stared at her, observing the very depths of her soul. The teeth sprouting from the large muzzle gleamed with the saliva that was coating them. She had never seen such menacing canines. They were incredibly large, even from a distance. Jane's legs seemed to function on their own, as she felt herself walking back slowly towards the two men 
hunched over the vehicle, who could hopefully protect her. The creature did not seem to care that she was backing away. Jane presumed maybe it was territorial, and so her leaving was a sign to it that she was no threat. As she edged ever so close to the road, the most deranged and gut-wrenching scream filled the air. It sounded as if all the souls condemned to hell had screamed at the same time. Jane covered her ears and felt her knees growing weak. Before Jane could react, the creature was back on all fours and dashed past her and deeper into the woods, barely giving her a second look. Jane couldn't recall crossing the road, let alone dragging herself away from the demon she encountered in the woods. Hearing her name being repeated, she was snapped out of her daze to find she was on the floor being held by Peter while David paced up and down by the car, holding the tire spanner as a weapon. Jane! Jane, wake up! Jane! Jane! Jane, are you okay? Jane! Jane, listen to me! Answer me! What the hell happened? Peter asked with a quiver in his voice stemming from the unrelenting fear that engulfed him after hearing the scream. What? I don't understand what's going on, Jane said softly. We heard a scream from the other side of the road. When we looked up, we saw you stumble across the road to us. You fainted almost as soon as you got to us. What happened? What made you scream? Peter further inquired. It wasn't me that screamed. There was something. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't normal. It was like a wolf that stood on two legs. She said. That doesn't make any sense. Are you feeling okay? Peter asked with concern. I'm not seeing any movement from the trees. David chimed in, sounding somewhat relieved by the inactivity he was closely monitoring. Look at this picture, Jane told Peter, wanting him to understand what she was saying. She showed him the blur in the picture, which, frankly speaking, wasn't a convincing piece of evidence. Okay, doesn't matter what you saw. The car isn't fixed completely, but it will get us there at the very least. David said. The car ride was deathly quiet for the rest of the journey. Even with the heating on, Jane felt a coldness at her very core. They didn't believe her, but they knew something had happened. The chatter had ceased completely and tension weighed heavily in the air. Not even the radio was on. They simply drove in silence, everyone consumed by their own thoughts. Jane felt her spirits lift as they began driving past the calming lights of houses that lined the land a slight distance off the main road. Each plot was styled in the way that any farming area would be. A vast amount of lawn and trees at the forefront, with a gravel driveway leading up to the house. Before long, the trio was driving up the dirt road to Jane's family home. She couldn't help but feel a smile develop at the thought of the warm house and loving embraces she would soon be comforted by. As soon as they were within spitting distance of the house... Their headlights illuminated the figures of the man and woman who welcomed Jane into their home every year, at Christmas time as always. Her uncle Charles and Aunt Karen invited Jane and her parents to spend Christmas on their farm every year, ever since she was a kid. It had become tradition that no matter what was going on in the world, Christmas time would bring them all together. The burly man and wife stood waving incessantly as the car rolled on down the driveway. 
before the car had come to a complete stop. Jane had already scrambled out of the car to meet her loving uncle and aunt. The faint smell of whiskey and cigarettes on her uncle's breath evoked the feelings of nostalgia from previous visits as a child. Oh, Janie, my baby! Aunt Karen squealed as Jane embraced her. Feels like it's been forever since we've seen you. Uncle Charles chimed in. David and Peter walked up to where the family were standing and exchanged pleasantries. David immediately felt welcome as the Santa-looking figure of Uncle Charles brushed off his attempt at a handshake and embraced him in a tight hug. David had never met the man, but the hug he received made him feel right at home. Let's go inside before we all get frostbite. Aunt Karen exclaimed to the group. I agree. Let's go inside and have a whiskey and settle down. Uncle Charles recommended. The newly arrived group did not need a second invitation, and with bags and hands they made their way into the warm glow of the house to warm up with whiskey and the fire they could hear crackling from the living room. Yet more excitement built up in Jane as she heard the distinct voices of her parents. There was nowhere Jane would have rather been than there with those she loved. The anticipation of the festive season had built to a fever pitch, and now they could relax and enjoy themselves. The old wooden floorboards creaked as the group walked through to the living room. The light bulb was quite dim, a sign, no doubt, that it had not been changed in a while and was at the end of its life. The fire gave off most of the light in the room, casting dancing shadows on the wall as the occupants of the room moved around. Jane's parents met them as they entered the room, and the hugs and embraces seemed to last a lifetime. Jane's parents, Jimmy and Mary, were dressed in very casual but comfortable-looking pajamas with fluffy bathrobes on top, adding a further layer of protection from any cold. It seemed a bit strange they had matching white nightwear, but nothing out of the ordinary. Peter, Jane, and David were escorted by Uncle Charles to the bedrooms upstairs to leave their luggage and get comfortable. The rooms were the definition of plain, with off-white walls and single bed in the middle of the room. No furniture occupied the room apart from a lone dresser in which to store their clothes. As they began unpacking, Aunt Karen knocked gently on the door, popping her head through and seeing if they were in need of anything. With nothing needed, she told them that she would be right back. Peter and Jane were in one room, with David in the room next to them. They heard Aunt Karen ask David the same question. Dear, can I get you anything? followed by her footsteps as she walked down the hallway and away from the rooms. Peter and Jane were about to leave the room to get David so they could go back downstairs as Jane could hear talk about dinner being nearly ready. Before they could leave the room, Aunt Karen appeared, having made no sound as she traveled across the hall. In her hands were fluffy white robes and white pajamas, identical to the ones her parents were wearing. <laughs> What's with the dress code? Jane asked jokingly. It's part of our new tradition, Aunt Karen said with a dry smile. We would all really appreciate if you joined us in the tradition, she continued, as she lay the uniforms on the bed. She turned and left with nothing else said. I mean, there's no harm in wearing them, Peter said. Besides, they look super comfy. I'm cool with that. True. Let's get dressed and get David to go downstairs, she replied. David had already donned his given outfit and seemed quite confused as to why he had to play dress-up. I really don't know what's up, 
Jane said apologetically. Old age is making them weird? <laughs> she added with a laugh. The three once again walked side by side, down the stairs and into the kitchen, with a delicious smell of meat filling the air. There was no food on the stove, and the group looked at each other with confusion, as they could definitely smell food. Calling out to Aunt Karen, the back door of the kitchen burst open and Aunt Karen appeared. What's happening with dinner? Jane asked. I thought we were going to have a nice family dinner. She probed further. Oh, we are, sweetheart. We're just doing it a little bit different now. We start a new kind of tradition. There's a fire going outside. That's where everyone is. Come on out. Aunt Karen said as she once again disappeared. Tentatively, they moved towards the door, could hear a low murmur of what sounded like a group of people talking in a low tone. Walking down the steps, a huge bonfire was lit not too far from the kitchen door. There were more people than Jane expected. She assumed they were friends of Aunt Karen. They walked towards the fire and noticed that the crowd huddled around the fire were all donned in white clothes, exactly like theirs. Jane scanned the crowd and found her parents, huddled with everyone. They couldn't hear what was being said, but it sounded like the crowd was chanting in unison. Come join us! Uncle Charles boomed over the low chanting of the crowd. What is all this? Jane asked, incredibly confused. Oh, it's celebration time! This is the time of year we give thanks, pay homage to the protector of our land, our sacred savior. An unknown stranger said, breaking the chant. You mean this is a church thing? David asked, not being into any sort of religious gatherings. No, this is more of an offering. Aunt Karen informed them. An offering for what? And to what? Peter asked, sharing in the confusion. Your answers will be answered soon. Have a seat and join us. Yet another stranger told them. The group moved towards the fire unsure of what was going on. As they joined the circle, the chanting grew steadily louder. It increased in volume, until the large number of people in white were virtually screaming at each other. The chant continued, getting louder consistently. As the chant seemed to reach its climax in terms of pitch and volume, a scream filled the air, coming from the dark trees, out of the range of light provided by the fire. Jane felt her blood freeze, the color drained from her face. She looked at Peter, and the terror on his face confirmed what she thought. It was the same scream that they had heard when they had their mishap on the road. She tried to move, but she was completely frozen. Peter was next to her, rigid in fear. The crowd began chanting faster. They stood and turned to face the direction the scream had come from. Uncle Charles screamed at the crowd, inciting the crowd further. Come forth, O oh Lord! Receive your sacrifice! Came the shout from Aunt Karen. Uncle Charles and another burly man walked towards the side of the house, opposite to where they had exited from the kitchen. They disappeared into the shadows but returned immediately, dragging what Jane and company could see was a bloody man, stripped bare in the freezing temperatures. They carried the man towards the edge of the forest and threw the man down. His arms and legs were bound, his screams muffled by a gag stuffed in his mouth. 
He looked as if he had been lashed. Deep gashes ran down his body, letting blood leak onto the snow-covered grass. The trees shook, as yet another scream pierced the air. As the red eyes emerged from the trees, Jane let out a low whimper. The creature she had seen stepped out and towards the bound man. It looked down on its prey, and its fangs dripped with saliva. The chanting stopped as the creature reached for the man. What the hell is going on here? What the hell is that? David screamed at the gatherers. Please show some respect, Uncle Charles said sternly. They watched in horror as the people around them bowed their heads, with the occasional shout of praise directed towards the creature. There was no scream when the monster swung its gigantic paw down towards the man, shredding his back and spraying blood towards the people. Some of the spray reached the fire, and those who the blood hit cried out in joy. Towering over the poor man, the creature picked him up effortlessly, raised him to eye level, with a swift movement that only the most skilled of predators possessed. It thrust its muzzle into the man's neck and bit completely through it. Blood fell by the bucket load onto the floor in front of the beast, turning the pure white snow a dark red. The ground soaked up the blood, seeming to accept the situation that was unfolding. Another bite of the neck severed the head completely, the beast allowing it to fall into the blood that had preceded it. The crowd began chanting once again, ensuring they kept it to nothing more than a murmur. They seemed to be trying to spur the creature on. He was impure! The greatest blessing he could have received as a non-believer was to be taken as a sustenance for our Lord, Uncle Charles said matter-of-factly. You will join us, won't you? Aunt Karen asked the newcomers, although seeing how the non-believer was treated, it seemed more like a statement than a question. <laughs>